The following is a teaching message from the chapel in Tiatatu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz. Father God, we sang, or the music video had the words, Remembrance leads to worship. And worship leads to communion. And Father God, as we've paused this morning, to remember your great love shown in the sacrifice of your Son. His body broken. And his blood poured out. God, as we remember, that remembrance overflows in worship. As we express our love and our gratitude to who you are and for who you are. And that worship overflows into communion, not a service of remembrance, but a, an experience of relationship. Communion is about relationship. And as we worship you, Father God, you draw us into your presence. And you come near to us. And you draw us close to one another. And we can stand and acknowledge that you are a good, good Father. And so, Father God, as we stand here this morning, we are so grateful. As Andy reminded us earlier in the service, that no matter what the storms are that we pass through, no matter what the storms are that surround us in this moment, that you are at peace. And we can be at peace because of your presence. And so, Father God, in this place this morning, that you would come and that you would continue to speak, that we would continue to enjoy this communion, this fellowship, this hearing you speak, as the song says, even in the, the still of night, calling us, drawing us, teaching us, patiently leading us, by your grace, as the song said, by your grace making us faithful. Have your way in us and through us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Please be seated. We've had a couple of weeks away from our journey with Abraham, or Abraham as he still is at the stage. And you'll recall we've been following through Abraham's father's decision to take his family from Ur up through Haran and down into the land of Canaan. While still on Ur, God had called Abraham to leave his country and his people to go to a land I will show you. In Haran, God had reaffirmed the call to Abraham 
You know, God has a way of reaffirming his call. And in this case, he added to the call not just to leave your country and your people, but to leave your father's household. And following Terah's death, Abraham leaves Haran and heads to Canaan, taking his wife Sarai, who, as we learnt, was also his sister, and his nephew Lot, and all his possessions. Arriving in Canaan at Shechem, God again affirms the promise. Abraham builds an altar before moving south to the Negev, which is down around this area, and down into Egypt. While the outcome of the journey into Egypt, as we looked at it a couple of weeks ago, while it was positive for Abraham, in spite of the fact that he encouraged Sarai to lie to Pharaoh and to the, Pharaoh, uh, to the Egyptian authorities, it was a positive experience for Abraham, who came out with great wealth, and a very negative experience for Pharaoh, who very quickly, when he discovered the lie, sends Abraham and Sarai on their way. And so this morning we pick up the narrative in Genesis chapter 13 and verse 1. So Abraham went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with them. Let's just go back to the map for a moment. So we've gone down into Egypt, we're going back up through the Negev, and we will end up back in that point there. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, had also flocks and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarrelling arose between Abraham's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also in the land at that time. So the Lord said to Abraham, sorry, so Abraham said to Lot, page jump forward, so Abraham said to Lot, let's not have any quarrelling between you and me, or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I will go to the right. If you go to the right, I will go to the left. Lot looked around, and he saw that the whole plain, so the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zor was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. That was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and he set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. For the people, now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are, to the north and the south, to the east and the west, all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. 
I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abraham went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tent, and there he built an altar to the Lord. So there it is, Bethel in the west, and Ai in the east, as it had been before. And as we talked about then, Bethel means the house of God, and Ai is the place that in time would become synonymous with the nation of Israel doing their own thing in their own strength and facing their greatest defeat. Abraham's been here before. He was heading south to the Negev and then down to Egypt. But this time it's Lot that actually gets to make a decision. As Abraham had travelled, God had blessed him with many good things and he had blessed them even further when they were down in Egypt. And likewise, Lot has also been blessed. I wonder if there's a message there that you get blessed along those with, with those with whom you travel. The reverse is also true, as we're about to discover for Lot. But the blessings also bring their challenges. For as their um, households, as their uh, flocks multiplied, there was this grumbling. If you've ever been in a church that's growing, you'll find there's a time when grumbling comes. If you've been in any situation where things are going well, it doesn't take long for grumbling to stir. The enemy always looks to have a go. The land was also occupied by the Canaanites and Perizzites. The land was kind of under pressure. Remember, as we've followed the story through, repeatedly the command had been to go forth and multiply. And the lesson was clear that if you chose instead to simply settle down and grow, division would come anyway. And we remember that Terah's father had, or Abraham's father Terah, had lived through the separation at Babel as the people had tried to settle down. And so settling down is not an option, growth and multiplication. Abraham doesn't want to lose relationship, so he suggests a lot that they part company under good terms so that both of them may continue to grow and prosper. And so he gives Lot the first pick of the land. So if you pictured that map, you've got the, the Dead Sea. North of that, you've got Ai and Bethel. And so they're standing between Ai and Bethel. And they're surveying the land around them. And Abraham says, you pick which bit you want. If you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. And Lot looks to the east, and he looks to the west, to the left and to the right, and then he looks around and he notices in the east the Jordan River and the Jordan Valley flowing down to the Dead Sea and beyond it. 
And he follows and he sees his eyes follow down through the, the plain of Jordan. Because this is before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, below, beyond the bottom end of the Dead Sea lies these cities, including Sodom and Gomorrah. And as he looks, he sees the whole plain. And he says it's a good land. And he sees that it's like the land of the Lord, or the garden of the Lord, or the garden of Eden. This is a beautiful and attractive place. It's also like Egypt because the word that says it's well watered is also the word for irrigation. And if you've been to Egypt, you know that Egypt survives where they do because they've always used the irrigation from the Nile. And so this was a well-prepared land and a well-serviced land. There was something very attractive. And so Lot moves initially east towards Jordan. And then he keeps wandering down through the plains of Jordan. There are a number of things wrong with Lot's decision as he wanders first east and then south down through these beautiful plains, through the cities of the plain and sets up his camp near Sodom. Since leaving Haran, Lot has been travelling with Uncle Abraham. Lot's father had been Abraham's eldest brother who had died before they left Ur. Being the older brother, he was uh, Abraham's elder brother by about 70 years. So it's possible that Lot and Abraham were about the same age. Lot may have been slightly older. But up until this part of the journey, it's clear that Lot was accompanying Abraham. But the moment Lot, uh, Abraham says to him, which way do you want to go? Do you want to go that way? Lot's off to take hold of the opportunities that he sees before him. Surely the respectful thing would be, look, Abraham, I've followed you this far, and it's working out for us this far. You decide, uncle. But Lot's like a lot of young men, a lot like a young woman, like a lot of old men and old women. It's like, I actually see what I want, and I'm going for it. Not only did he not choose what Abraham offered, he chose to do his own thing. He didn't go to the left or the right. He went slightly one way and then carried on going south. And Lot chose the pleasant place. He looked out and he chose the whole plain. He saw this as a, a lovely spot. And he didn't say, I'm going to go and get a bit of that. He said, I'm going to have it all. And as I read that, I was reminded of a passage we've read earlier in our journey when the woman, back in Genesis 3, saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it and she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And so Lot, noting that the land was good, noting that it was a pleasant land, noting that it was pleasing to the eye, just like in the Garden of Eden, he took hold of it with both hands. 
And for the woman, in the Garden of Eden, Satan was right there. And in the land of Lot's choosing, evil was right there. For the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. This was nothing new that would happen later on. This was happening when Lot settled. He didn't go, oh, I'm going down to Sodom. He said, well, actually, I'm going to go towards the Jordan. And then I'm going to walk, and then I'm going to... And he got really close, and he said, I'm not going into Sodom, but I'm going to live just close by. If only Lot had thought about, not that Lot would have known these verses, but we know about these verses, most of us. We don't necessarily think about it. 1 Corinthians 15.33, Paul says, Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. If only Lot had known that. Or that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Or Proverbs, better is a little with fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better is a small serving of vegetables than love with a fattened calf. Oh, sorry, is a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. If you're not sure about that, I remember reading in the New Zealand Herald a few years back that they'd done some research that the benefit of a meal to your body is more dependent on the people you share it with than what it is that you're actually eating. So the Bible's right. Surprise, surprise. Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. There are a couple of those other better than verses, but for the safety of those of you who know some of those verses, um, I'll be discretionary and I won't get myself into trouble by quoting some of the other, you're better to live in this situation than that situation. But you can ask me afterwards. We may not know all of these verses, but surely we know the dangers. So I can tell the ones who know their Bibles because they're all sitting there smiling saying, he just avoided trouble. We may not know all of these verses, but we surely know the dangers of disengaging our brains and just going after what our heart desires. Good grief, today we have made following your heart a virtue if it feels good do it if it feels right it can't be wrong but Proverbs warns above all else guard your heart for everything you do flows from it if only Lot had known and understood As soon as Lot chooses for himself that which appears to be the best of everything, then we're told that they parted company. And Abraham chooses to live in the hills and the valleys of Canaan. Can you picture that? The alternative to the nice pleasant plain of the hills and the valleys. And I've got to tell you, sometimes I think I'd rather go and live on the plains than in amongst the hills and the valleys been described for me just this week a couple of times as being like a roller coaster and I'm not a roller coaster fan but Abraham chooses to live in the hills and the valleys 
And no sooner had they parted company than God again affirms, Abraham, I have your life in my hands. The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had parted from, look around from where you are. Look to the north and to the south and to the east and to the west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring. I will make your offspring. Here's this guy, mid-70s, going on maybe early 80s. His wife is barren. And God says, I, 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 I've told you you're going to have offspring for this land. He says, you're going to have so many offspring. You're going to have so many descendants that it would be easier to count the dust on the earth than it will be to count your descendants. That's kind of mind-boggling. Lot chose what seemed best to him. But Abraham is beginning to learn to trust God. As we follow the journey through, those of you who know some of the journey, know that he will stumble along the way. But he is beginning to take God at his word. And it's not easy when what God is... You know, if God has said to you, oh, I'm, you're going to have three kids and I'm going to give you that bit of land, it's like, I can handle that. But God has gone, you're going to have this. You're going to have all of that land and you're going to have so many descendants that you're not going to be able to begin to count them. That's got to stretch your faith. But Abraham is beginning to learn to live by faith. And so I keep coming back to what has God called you to? What is that thing God has called you to? What is that thing that God has promised you? And that you've waited so long for? You know, I hate preaching sometimes. Because God kind of takes me through the journey. And so again, if this passage speaks to anyone, it speaks to me. Because I know what God has called to. I know what God has promised. And some days it's just like, really God, are you sure? Did I hear you right? It's like, God, if you'd promised me this, I could believe for that. But God, you've promised so much more. And God says, just keep following. Are we ready to step out? I love that. Go walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. Go mark it out with your feet. Take some time in your mind even just to walk through what God has promised. And then take some time for remembrance, to look back over what God has done, where God has been faithful. And to know that the God who brought you this far will take you the rest of the journey. Before we sing, I'm just going to pray a benediction over you. Also from Ephesians, which Mike used earlier. Paul writes, For this reason I kneel before the Father, 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, that Christ being that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is this love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the chapel in Te Atatū. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz or email info at thechapel.org.nz. Dot NZ.